Today is uh, Communion Sunday, and uh, as we, uh, you know, look at a passage of Scripture, it's, um, it's not a traditional passage that we utilize during communion, but it, it really communicates the essence of, of really the example that Christ set for us. Uh, it's Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, and it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, as we look at communion, uh, what Christ did for us as modeled in, in Corinthians, you know, Christ allowed his body to be, body to be broken for us. Uh, he uh, uh, allowed uh, his blood to be shed for us. Uh, he gave himself as a willing, living sacrifice. And so today, as we are uh, participating in this, um, in Corinthians, Jesus says to do this as often as you can in remembrance of the work that I have done for you. Now, um, just a little education for you. We have upgraded our communion cups. So, now, I, they're, they're different so when you pick these up, Meredith has even put them in there in a format that you should be able to pick up. On the top, it's a small little area, is a little wafer. Now, it's not the styrofoam that you have been accustomed to. And it's got a nice, it should tear off real nicely. Then you flip the cup over. 
and tear off the juice section. Do it in that order. Do not tear off the juice covering first, because when you go to get your bread, you will dump this all over yourself or the floor. And Miss, Miss Linda has asked you not to dump it on the floor. So, so it, is, it is very simple, um, and the reviews on these are much better. And so uh, they're still going to provide you with the safety that you're looking for and the ability to worship God in our communion. So I invite you uh, during this next song uh, to find a place um, to worship God, uh, to participate in communion. Uh, I'm going to bless the uh, cups and uh, just allow you just to come and, uh, and worship God today. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your many blessings. We're thankful for your provision for our lives. And today, as we participate in communion, even as, as Romans has instructed us, we come today presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, just as you did, Jesus. We lay down the things of our own lives, the things that have challenged us, the things that have restricted us, the things that get in the way of us becoming who you've called us to be, and um, we release you to, to remake us new, uh, to open our thoughts, our minds up to the things that you have for us. We ask your blessing on these things, and we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Worship with us here today.
We praise you, God, that we have hope in the name of Jesus, Lord. We just thank you that you are there for us in every situation, God, that we can come today and remember you through communion, Lord. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
It's running 
that song for a minute. Um, just a couple of uh, passages of scripture I'd like to share with you. Psalm 43, 40 verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Psalm 96, 1 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 33, 3 says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Psalm 96.1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. And then Psalm 149.1. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. And so there's other passages that... that reiterate that emphasize the need to sing a new song and uh, I'm going to ask our worship team just to lead us in this again and and as the Lord puts it on your heart sing a new song to him let yourself enter into a time of fresh uh, expressive worship with the Lord today and uh, I believe he's got something he wants to deposit in your soul here uh, this morning and so let's worship just a little longer You have led me through the fire and in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Goodness of God. Your goodness is running after. 
dismiss the kids. Um, I appreciate Seth and Isaac stepping in to, to take care of them here today, but I'd just like to give an opportunity. If there is someone that has a, just a, a quick testimony of God's goodness that you'd like to share with us, uh, something that God has done um, for you, just share freely here. Miss Constance. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, amen. So thankful for that. Someone else?
Amen. Yes, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. All righty. I've got something to ask her. Yes. So our kids have been reading about a persistent prayer around Luke 11. This is the verse we've been reading. And there's this little boy, his name is Malachi. And he uh, fell into a swimming pool and was in ground for about 11 minutes. And now he's in a hospital in California. Amen. I just thank God for these testimonies that we have in this world. Yes, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Kids, thank you for staying in here. I love watching you worship. So, Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Great job. You know, I uh, was in Texas last weekend and uh, uh, was able to worship with you, experience God with you uh, online. So Miss Donna did a, a fantastic job. So excited for her. So uh, praise God. Uh, excited about what God is doing. Um, I love hearing the testimony of God's hand moving in our midst. Um, see, the issue isn't whether or not God moves. It is whether or not we will give God praise when he moves. You know, um, in, in the book of Revelation, it says that they overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb. We can never discount the, the power of Jesus Christ and the work of Christ that he did for us on the cross. They overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb. We are thankful for the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of their testimony. So... Um, your testimony is powerful. Your testimony sets you free. Um, and, and I really believe this. Many times we are in bondage. We are in chains. Not because of the blood of the Lamb. Because there is nothing. The, the blood of Jesus Christ is just as powerful today as it was over 2,000 years ago when he, he gave his life for us. The issue is not the blood of Christ. The issue is ours. The issue is the word of our testimony. What are we withholding from God that is preventing God from being able to bless us in our lives? So if it's not, if it's not God that's the problem, there can only be one other problem. Because let me just tell you, doesn't matter who you're sitting by, doesn't matter who you came to church with, they're not withholding God's blessing in your life. They don't have that much power and authority. You know, God speaks and the world becomes. So that person sitting next to you, that person you're worshiping with here at church today, they don't have enough ability to prevent God's blessing from flowing in your life. But you do. 
you have the ability to prevent it. Not that you can stop God from blessing us, but God is not going to give us anything that we have not communicated to him that we want. And if we know that God's blessing is just on the other edge of a testimony, why in the world would we withhold a testimony of God's blessing, of his provision? You know, it, it is... It is continuing to be one of those thought processes that I walk through that, that so much of what I struggle with is not the world. I mean, yes, there's junk out there in this world, but the truth is what I struggle with most is in me. <laughs> The Apostle Paul said, you know, he went through this long discourse talking about the struggles he was having in life. And it, and it narrowed down to this. The things that I want to do, the things that I know that are good, those are not the things I find myself doing. It's the things that I don't want to do, those things that I know that are not good for me to do, those are the things I find myself doing every day. So we hold the ability, the, the power to see God move in our lives. And so I encourage you to push in, to push in. Today I'm going to continue on in our, in, our, in our Beatitude series. We're coming down to the landing here. Maybe two, maybe three weeks, I don't know, maybe four. I, I try not to put a number on it, but today's a hard one. Today's a hard one. That's right, Miss Elaine. Peacemakers. We live in a world that not only is consumed with fighting, <laughs> they enjoy it. They, we live in a, in a world where the media has been based upon not telling the truth necessarily, but about promoting drama. Because drama sells. And there is no better drama than a good fight. You, you, when I was in high school, sometimes during school day, the, there would be a, a little bit of pushing and shoving, and all of a sudden there would be a, a threat for a fight after school. How many of you ever um, experienced any of those? Maybe you weren't the one fighting, but you were invited to a good fight. <laughs> okay. um, and, uh, and you'd go out there, and these guys are beating the tar out of each other. Two people fighting. Crowds just thriving on the fight. They just, they just want to see a good fight. They don't even, most of them don't even know what the fight's about. But they're just enjoying it. You look at these riots that are going on across uh, the United States today. And, and people are showing up rioting and they have no idea why they're rioting. They're capitalizing on the pain and struggle of a few individuals and they're utilizing it to just promote their own agenda. But as I was reading, even in the midst of this society as it's being affected, and we're in a, a time where we're, getting, we're being plummeted by um, ads regarding presidents and agendas and... Um, the other day I had to filter through all my mail and realize that everything was junk. <laughs> and, you know, you always hope you find one piece of mail that is redeeming. I had nothing. It all went in the trash. Um, and it was all political ads. 
claiming what somebody else is doing. And, you know, what I'd love to hear is just what an individual wants to come and do. What their agenda is. Clear and simple. Don't, don't tell me what the other person's doing. I already can read. Tell me what you're going to do. And then actually do it. What a, what a concept. But even in the midst of all of this stuff, this verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, is still relevant, is still powerful, is still something that God is speaking to us today. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The New Living Translation says, uh, blessed, uh, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Let's pray. Father, we need a real, tangible move of your presence in our lives. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. We ask for this in your name. Amen. In, in my research on this topic of being a peacemaker, I found several things that really were challenging for me. They were confrontive. This has not been an easy series for me to preach. Now, I love a good series that I can just be the cheerleader on the side, cheering you on because God's just wanting to encourage you. But sometimes God sends a word that wants to confront you. And we need both. One of the things that really hit me in the face as I was studying this, is that sometimes individuals who are called to be peacemakers fall into a trap of being a peace breaker. Peace breakers, some may call them peace takers, but peace breakers are those who go out of their way to break down relationships to cause trouble and division. Now, this is just your introduction. This is, this is setting the stage for where God wants us to go. And in order to do that, we need to be aware that the enemy capitalizes on our thoughts and intentions at times. He capitalizes on the church to become um, adversarial to the mission of God. So, if I were to have a time where I put an offering plate here and I had people come up to, to give, up, give their offering, and somebody came up and rather than, you know, they stuck their hand in and rather than dropping something off, they picked up a bunch of money and walked out. Now, they would be adversarial to the purposes of God, right? So they're taking rather, rather than giving in a time where they're supposed to be giving. Now, as a church, we're called to give also. We, give, we, have, a, we have a benevolence fund where we give, you know, no, no strings attached, no restraints, not asking for any payback. We, we've given to people in our church, people in other churches, people in our community. Um, this church, for as long as I, you know, as long as I know it, has had this. And so out of, just so you are all aware, we, um, our church practices the concept of tithing as well. And so of all the general offering that comes in, 5% of that actually goes, that's our tithe to our denomination. 
Um, we send that in as a, being part of open Bible churches. 5% of that is set aside in our benevolence fund. So everything that you give, we take 5% of that and we put it in this benevolence fund. And our goal, and, and we've been pretty successful with it at the end of every year, is we give from that into our community to bless people, um, we, whatever is left. So when we come to the end of the year, if there's you know, anything left, we, we work on giving away what has been designated that year to different groups. And, and it has been a blessing to lots of community groups. We support the ministerial, which um, that group in a, of itself, they support, support even more groups than we do because there are a bunch of churches that have individuals donating. And, and through, that church, through that group, we are able to keep people's electric on. We've paid medical bills. We've bought prescriptions. There's lots of things that we do with that. But our church gives from our benevolence fund to support that, as well as individuals who are in the midst of a difficult crisis in life. So we give, but when we call forth the tithe and offering, if someone is stealing from that, then it's in an adversarial relationship with God. And so we need to be aware that the enemy works at us to be in this adversarial relationship at times, even though we seemingly don't realize it is we're fighting against God. And individuals that begin to work in this peace breaker thing where they're breaking down relationships and causing trouble, it creates struggles and problems within the body of Christ. And so we need to be aware. There is no sugarcoating it. It is not acceptable. Actually, Scripture speaks pretty harshly to individuals that walk in this mode. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18 says, I appeal to you, brothers... To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive, uh, flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So we need to understand that part of the traps of the individuals here or of Satan is to lead people into a place where they're breaking down relationships within the body of Christ. Um, they are bringing division and those things are not right. And, and, and I would tell you this, most peace breakers don't realize what they're doing. They feel justified in themselves. It doesn't make it right, but it is still part of the problem that we need to address. We need to be aware of the trap of the enemy. Now, the, the number one way that people walk in the position of being a peace breaker is through what James or chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 tells us is the taming of the tongue. It says this. It says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, may, that they may obey us, and, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boast great things. We need to understand that the way that the enemy will typically move in a situation, and, and he deceives us because he, he, he has the ability to disguise it, to 
presented to us in a way that seems like we are justified in our words, but he uses our tongue to bring division in the body of Christ. I have typically found that this is true. Whenever God begins to do something good, the enemy will always try to interrupt it. And one of the biggest snares is the tongue. So I I just want you to be aware of that on the front side of this, that the tongue is a dangerous instrument. One individual that I was reading about talked about this, sins of the tongue grieve the Spirit of God. They grieve the Spirit of God. So we should guard our words. How many of you have ever been told that something you said was not kind or nice? Now, I'll tell on myself here, okay? Um, I remember back in college, you know, not always do you do all the smartest things you should do while you're in college, right? I was sitting at a table with a bunch of guys, and, and sometimes, you know, the group you're hanging out with, they're saying things that they shouldn't say. Now, understand, I was at Bible college. <laughs> it doesn't make us necessarily any more righteous, um, But God does hold us to a different caliber of responsibility. And I don't know, there was some goofing off going on. And I, they, you know, they were all dating somebody. I was single. And so they, you know, thought it was their job to set me up. And I said something, they were trying to set me up. And I said something unkind, um, which is so out of the normal for me. It's not, I just don't speak like that. But for some reason, this came out of me, and, um, and the person they said it to was standing right there. And uh, they quickly turned and walked away, and I felt like just someone shoot me. <laughs> you know, have you ever felt that way? It's like, God, I am so sorry. Now, I apologized. Um, I, I actually set up some things to where... Um, I didn't even hang out in those kind of situations for a while because it so convicted me. Um, it so grieved me um, when it happened. But the tongue destroyed uh, this individual for a period of time. And, uh, uh, and we never know the long-term effects of those. Some of us in here still carry with us the, the abuse of parents, the things that they said about us, over us. And... And you have to take those thoughts captive every day because they're lies. They are, not, they are not what God the Father thinks about you. But they destroy the peace of God within you. See, you cannot be a peacemaker if there is not peace within. We'll get more into that in just a minute. I, I want to talk to you specifically today about some of the foundational building blocks that I believe the Beatitudes really present to us. The first one is, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? And I believe in order to to know what God requires or is calling us to as a peacemaker, we need to understand the word peace. The Greek and and the Hebrew present for us um, some, some good definitions or some good words that give some round some some understanding to this word peace 
Um, completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, well-being. See, those were, when you get into the Greek and the Hebrew, those were the words that it began to interchange with peace. And, and I would notion to say that they're probably not words that we would typically associate with peace. Completeness. Well, once we start understanding completeness, we can see why. Well, yeah, when, you, when you're not lacking anything, you're walking in peace. Success. Well, yeah, when you're successful, um, you can experience peace, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. All these things, when you first hear them, they think, oh, that's not peace. But really, they, they really encapsulate what peace presents for us. This one was really interesting, and it really challenged me. This, this author that I read said, um, peace really is the realm where chaos is not allowed to enter. Peace is the realm where chaos is, is not allowed to enter. And see, chaos is, is dysfunction. It is, it is brokenness. It is, uh, um, it is fighting. Chaos. This author said chaos is, is understood as sickness, war, social strife, or the violation of the covenant of God. And as I began to dig into this, I really was confronted. Because as I was reading this, I started wondering... God, are you, are, you, are you trying to tell me that when I walk in peace, I will walk in completeness of health? God, that when I walk in peace, I will not walk in war. I won't walk in strife. I won't violate your covenant. Now, I'm not here to tell you that if you are sick, you're not at peace with God. But let me just present this if I can. What if there is a correlation between your sickness and your peace? If there is, wouldn't you want it addressed? And see, and if you don't know it, how do you address it? I have struggled with some things in my life for, for years. Um, and uh, I've gone to the doctor and I get, I get good health reports. I'm never sick. Um, but I, it, it didn't answer my questions. It's like, God, what's going on? You know, what's going on in my life? Where, what is the problem? And, and over this last year and a half, I've really been asking some penetrating questions about my own life. You know, I've not been, it's not that I'm not concerned about my family, but I know this, if I get as healthy as I can be on the inside, my family's going to benefit. And, and I still encourage them to take care of themselves, but I've really spent a lot of time on fixing me. Now, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 16, so roughly, you know, I, I'm 53. So, 
what is that, 37 years, something like that? So, I mean, I've walked with God a long time. And, and I'm just realizing there's aspects of things that are going on in my life that are not healthy. And I'd gone to the doctor, and I did, did a bunch of blood work, and I did a bunch of tests. And they found out my, that my system is not producing certain elements in my body that I need. It's not, it's not producing it anymore. Now, I don't know how long because no doctor has recommended me doing these tests. And actually, if I had just listened to the doctors, I wouldn't have done these tests. Because they said, you're healthy. But I knew there were things going on inside. I knew I wasn't healthy. So I kept pushing and I kept researching and I kept... And, and so we're, we're starting some new processes over the next few weeks to address some of these things. See, I believe that when our bodies function the way God intended, we do walk in peace. And we know it. And if we are not walking in peace, you have to be bulldogish in this process of investigating to find out why. <clears throat> why are you not at peace? What is going on inside of you? That's what I began to do. And as I read through this first definition of peace, and I realized that chaos can simply mean where things are not operating as intended. It doesn't always have to be violent. It's just out of the way God intended it to be. And so I had to acknowledge that there was some chaos in my life. And I, and I have to be willing to address that. See, a peacemaker is a person who is actively seeking to establish and maintain peace as defined by God. Not by the world. Not by your spouse, not by your friend, by God. See, the doctors said you should be at peace. Your numbers, your, your prostrate levels are all good. You're, you know, these things are all good. They gave me all the numbers. You're good. You're healthy. Be happy. See, in the world standard, I should be happy, right? But I'm not operating by the world standard. I want to address the things that are going on inside of me by God's standard. So that's what a true peacemaker is about. They are actively seeking to establish and maintain. So if you're not at peace, if there's something going on in your life, let me challenge you to ask the penetrating questions that get to the depth, the core of what's going on in your life. So, that gives us a basic understanding of what peace is defined as. So now, what does a peacemaker's life look like? Again, this was confrontive. As you can tell, if you were listening to things I've shared already, the things that I've addressed were not pleasant for me to deal with in myself. But as I dug deeper into the things of Scripture and the things of God, I began to even understand some of the other conflicts that are going on inside of me. So I want to share with you a few characteristics that I believe are core to the life of a peacemaker. 
A few characteristics that are core to the life of a peacemaker. Number one, peacemakers are at peace with God. That's, that should be pretty simple, right? Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just be honest with you. This is the, the simplest one you have. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be willing to daily come before Jesus and, and confess your sins, ask God to forgive you, walk in relationship. This is the easiest one there is. And, and you have complete... Let me... All three of these that I'm going to deal with today... You are the only one, actually everything regarding peace, you are the one that determines whether or not you're going to walk in it or not. Because you are the decision maker. God's already provided it, you have to embrace it. So, peacemakers are at peace with God. I would... I would venture to say that if you are actively sinning, it is impossible for you to be at peace with God. I, maybe your life is different than mine, but I, when I intentionally do something wrong, when I made those statements to that young lady years ago, I still remember the pain of that moment. I, I still regret that moment in my life. I didn't even know this person, and I made those comments. So let me just challenge you. Deal with the peace between you and God. Next, peacemakers are at peace with each other. Romans 14, 19, 19 says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace. Things, the things by which one may edify another. <laughs> Again, there is, we have been dealing with relationships from January, the beginning of January this year. We have been focused on removing aloneness, on dealing with relationship. I have challenged you to be concerned with others, to edify, to build up. <laughs> A peacemaker is at peace with others. Their lives are about benefiting, edifying, building up one another in the body of Christ. What are you doing to build up someone else? And let me just say that if you've not spent a moment this week to build somebody up, you may not be fully walking in the calling of being a peacemaker. Paul had a lot to say on being a, a peacemaker. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, some people don't want to live at peace with you. They just don't want to do it. You cannot make it happen. But with, it says as much as is possible with what depends on you. See, I love that God does not require you to make somebody else do something. He just wants you to deal with you. He wants you to make sure that you are living at peace with other people as much as it depends on you. Be a peacemaker. Edify. Build up one another. Help individuals achieve a level of walking in covenant relationship with God the Father the way you are. And if you're not there, get there so that you can help other people. Because God's called you to be a peacemaker. 
So work on those things. This next one really bothers me. It really bothers me. Can I say that it bothers me? It bothers me. Peacemakers are at peace within themselves. <clears throat> Peacemakers are at peace with themselves. Oh man, I would just like to skip it. Is it okay if I skip this one today? I know it wouldn't. Psalm 122.8 says, For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Peace within. I have acknowledged freely this year that I am not at peace within me. <laughs> I don't like having to keep saying it. But I know that as long as I acknowledge it, I keep dealing with it. See, if I avoid it, which I did for the majority of my Christian walk, I didn't deal with it. But I grew up in an angry household. We broke things. We broke each other. We fought. You know? I've been thrown through walls, through windows, shot at. Pretty good shape for the <laughs> life I had, right? Knives thrown at me. And that was just from my siblings. <laughs> that was not, I hadn't even gotten out of the house yet. <laughs> That's, you can see why my dad didn't let us out of the house often. But what I didn't realize that even though when I became a, a believer, when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, and I suppressed a lot of those emotions, a lot of those thoughts, um, I didn't deal with them. <laughs> Suppression is not dealing with. And I, was, I have managed to keep most of them locked up for 34 years. And I started realizing some of the health things that I'm dealing with, some of the challenges I'm dealing with, are because, man, I got a lot of junk that is bottled up inside of me that I haven't dealt with. Anger. See, most people have not seen me angry. I don't even like being angry. Now, I have been told more times than I want to admit um, I need to lower my voice because I'm yelling at somebody. Now, the reality is I haven't even started to yell yet. But I have this voice that carries. And as soon as I begin to talk with a little bit of intensity and my facial expression starts to represent a little bit of emotion that I don't like to give way to, then I'm on the precipice. I'm on the edge of the cliff getting ready to jump off into a full-blown moment of anger. Now, you can ask my, my wife and children. I have told them forever, I don't want to argue. I don't want to fight about an issue. Now, we don't fist fight in my home. <laughs> so when I say fight, it's one of those things. I don't want to argue with you. I don't want it to be this heated discussion because I was afraid that I would not be able to come back <laughs> to, the, to the light. Because I know what's there. 
Have you ever feared that? And so I, I have been acknowledging this anger inside of me, this abuse, this, this rage at times. I would never even tell you I was an angry person most of my life, that I had issues with rage. And it's because I learned to do it in private and not give, give light to it. That didn't make it acceptable. And so I, as I've been studying this and pursuing this process of being a peacemaker, I've had to acknowledge continually this need for addressing some of the unhealthy aspects of my life. Because I want the peace of God to rule. And if anger is allowed to be present, then the peace of God is not ruling. If sickness is allowed to be present, the peace of God is not ruling. And I don't know what that fully looks for me in my life because I've never known a life yet without it. Um, so I'm just now addressing some of those things. And I, I'm sure in the next year, um, <laughs> some of those things are going to look differently. And I, I'm so thankful that God is, you know, God can be both a hammer and a chisel. Now, sometimes we need a hammer, right? Sometimes we need something that's just going to break through. Sometimes we need a chisel. So that we need that sculptor that is able to, to chisel off those edges in our life. To fine tune. See, I would tell you that God is not fully um, disappointed with who he's made here. He's just not happy with every aspect of it. And so he's wanting to fine tune. He's wanting to chisel off a few things that he's saying... You can be better. Now, how many of you have ever said, well, that's good enough? <laughs> good enough is the enemy to God's best. Good enough is the enemy to God's best. And, and I would also challenge you that you can really never be good enough. Because good enough means that you're allowing aspects of sin to be present in your life. And at some point, whether you like it or not, they're going to surface. They're going to rear their ugly head and you're not going to be pleased with the outcome. So in conclusion today, I want to deal with one last concept. Why should I care about being a peacemaker? The number one reason is that God requires it. Romans 15, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He is a God of peace. He wants you to be one of his children. I don't know if you remember this. When I was going to camp as a camper, we started singing this song out of Romans 16, verse 20. Maybe it was when I was youth. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And, and one of the, the, the song is based upon these words, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. 
and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. See, it is the God of peace who defeats Satan, and it is the God of peace who wants to invade your life and bring you to a place of completeness. Philippians 4.9 says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. <laughs> Paul left nothing to question in this. These do. And the God of peace will be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. And now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work and do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, or the children of God. God is calling us to be peacemakers. We need to address the things that prevent us from walking in the fullness of being a peacemaker. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are willing to confront the things that are out of alignment in our lives, not for ill, but to bring us to a place of completeness to bring us to a place of wholeness, to bring us to a place of health, to bring us to a place of provision, of success. You have called us to address these things in our lives that are preventing us from walking in fullness and completeness in you. And it is required of us to address our own levels of peace. Are we peacemakers or are we peace breakers? Are we walking in fullness of being men and women who seek to build up and to strengthen those around us or tear down? Are we, are we seeking to build ourselves up or tear ourselves down? God, I recognize that being a peace breaker, a peace taker, isn't just about what we do to others. It is what we do to ourselves. Sometimes we refuse to allow something to go on in our life because we are so unhappy with who we are becoming that we destroy every opportunity that God begins to present to us that will lead us down a different light. We just can't seem to hope, find hope in ourselves or anything else. But today, Lord, today we make a decision to embrace the God of peace who will bring us to a place of wholeness, of health, of completeness. 
God, we surrender to you. Access to all of us. As a matter of fact, Lord, I believe you want a response from us today. So this morning as you are listening to me, I I need you to listen closely. Don't respond out of emotions. Don't respond because anyone else responds. But if you are willing to grant to the Lord your life that he may examine and show you areas in your times of prayer and your times of reading that you are not at peace with God the Father, if you're willing to surrender to God in those areas, I'm just going to invite you to stand wherever you're at in the sanctuary. And by standing, you're saying, God, I surrender to you my life. Turn on your spotlight. Where am I not at peace? And why? Because I want peace in my life. Above all else, I want peace. Reveal that which is preventing the fulfillment of peace in my life. What is stopping the flow of your favor, of your blessing? God, help me to walk in peace. God, you see each individual as they stand. Shine your light on them in their times of worship and their times of prayer and their times of study, open their eyes to see the things that are preventing your peace from being manifested in their lives. God, open their eyes to see the things that are unhealthy inside of them that are not allowing your spirit and your presence to have full reign and rule in their lives. And help them to deal with it. Help them to adjust it. Help them to come into alignment. And Father, we know that as we do, that we will begin to walk in the calling of being a peacemaker. That we know as we do that we will begin to walk in the position of a child of God. And for that we give you all the glory. We give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. At this time we want to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering. As they are coming... Isaac, you want to make your announcement? In a good, positive way. And if you're not on the crew app, let me know. Text me. Call me. Just... That's right. If you're unable to be there, we can Zoom you in for the draft. We are high tech. I don't know that we can Zoom you in for a Euchre game, but we can Zoom you in for the draft. So. 
Next Sunday night is the women's Bible study here at the church. Alrighty, thank you, Miss Elaine. Alrighty, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. We pray a blessing on this offering that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your kingdom. And we thank you for the faithfulness of your people in their giving. In your name, amen. Now, I will tell you, if you're not part of the Fantasy League, still come out. We're going to have a great time fellowshipping. And bring your food. Your football fan, you know, ready type foods. So that's the most important thing. No, that you're here is the most important thing. All right. Huh? No tailgating. What goes on in the church basement will not go on Facebook or any other social media. But come out and be part. So thank, thank you, everybody, for your involvement and your worship. And worship team, thank you. And uh, God bless you. Um, remember, Wednesday night we have classes for all ages. Uh, it, we've been having a tremendous study in the adult uh, class regarding the Holy Spirit. been a tremendous class. Um, we just finished a great one on prophecy. Um, if you have any questions on that, please see Brother Jerry. He's still got some of that information. Um, but I just want to encourage you. God is doing a lot. Um, our kids stuff, Seth and Miss have been doing a great teaching, uh, going through some different concepts down there for the kids on Wednesday night. Um, we got uh, JP and Tabitha downstairs in the youth room, um, you know, going through stuff for the youth and, and college age. And so there literally is no excuse for you not to be here unless you're working. And then you need to pray that God would get you Wednesdays off. So. Amen. God bless you. Love on one another.